Hello, this is Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting, and you are listening to the second season of the God of Second Chances podcast. Welcome back to the God of Second Chances podcast. I'm Ron Clark, you're the executive director for Kairos Church Planting Support. It's been a while since we've been able to return to these podcasts, but we are going to finish season two. And if you might remember, we are in the book called The Prophets, uh, the Navim in the Hebrew Bible. And this section will begin what's known as the 12 minor prophets. These prophets are smaller than Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And remember, we skipped Daniel. We'll explain that because Daniel is in the next section of the Hebrew Bible. But Hosea is that first prophetic book, powerful message. It's, it's a book that's written during the time of some of the other great prophets. In Hosea chapter 1, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. Hosea prophesied during the time of Isaiah, during the time of Elijah, during the time of Elisha, and also Amos, who we'll discuss in a couple books later. The book of Hosea is a beautiful book that tells about the love affair Yahweh had with the people of Israel or the people of Judah. Both kingdoms were powerful and Yahweh had that relationship with both. In the beginning of the story, Hosea is told to find an adulterous wife. Well, the word in the Hebrew, zonaim, uh, zona, is actually the word for woman in prostitution. Now, it can uh, we use the term prostituted individual, but in the ancient world, uh, women who were prostitutes or zona usually did not have a pimp. They, they were free to come and go as they did. In some cases, they did have an individual in charge of them, or a master, or a bale, or a pimp. But in this case, the idea symbolizes someone who's had sexual relationships outside of the marriage. Hosea is told to find a woman because she represents the people of Israel, the people of God. It's hard to imagine. Why would the people be compared to a woman? And often I'm told that God is oppressive or God is misogynistic because a woman was chosen. However, in the prophets, we read other times when Israel is compared to a stubborn animal or Israel is compared to a rebellious man. And that will be the case later in Hosea. The point is... Hosea was to find a woman who was unfaithful and who he knew would be unfaithful because she was going to send a message to Israel. God was going to use this to send a message. And of course, she conceives, they have sex together, and she brings forth two sons. Now, the first son uh, is called Yezreel. It's the idea to be punished. Uh, the second child is called, uh, female, is called Lo Ruchama, and we talked about the word Racham meaning womb love. Uh, she will no longer be loved. I will no longer love the house of Israel. I will no longer show compassion 
on the house of Israel. And after Lo-Ruhamah was weaned, then another son was born, Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Imagine this, three children born, all of them given a name that's a sign of hopelessness, that's a sign of sin. And Yahweh says in chapter 1, verse 9, you are not my people. I am not your God. We need to think about that for a moment. I know that there may be times when you felt depressed and you felt like God doesn't care about you and you felt like God doesn't listen to you and you felt like God is, has abandoned you. And I want you to know that this text is not necessarily applying to you. This is applying to a people who have had the habit of turning their back on their God. They have had the habit of being in the face of God. They have had the habit of completely turning against God. They have had the habit of disobeying and, like the prophet's wife, uh, having affairs and not even thinking twice about that. But in this story... Yahweh offers hope. In chapter 2, verse 1, Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones, Rebuke your mother, rebuke her. She's not my wife. I'm not her husband. Let her remove the prostitution, the adulterous look from her face, and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. And then goes on, verse 5, The mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and water, my wool and linen, my oil and my drink. She will chase after them. She will look for them. But in chapter 2, verse 14, Yahweh says, when she's in captivity, when she's been rejected, when she's by herself, verse 14, therefore I am now going to entice her, allure her, woo her, try to date her. I will lead her in the desert, speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, make her the valley of Acor, the dove of hope. There she will sing as in the days of your youth and in the days she came up out of Egypt. Yahweh is promising a return from captivity. We've talked about the Egyptian bondage and the, the fleeing into the wilderness. And now Yahweh says, you're going to go into captivity and then I'm going to call you back in the wilderness to reestablish our relationship, to reestablish our marriage, to reestablish my love for you. This is a story of the nation of Israel. This is a story of a people who have turned their back on God, for a people who have rejected God, for a people who have been in the face of God, for a people who have ignored the voice of God consistently. And yet, Yahweh says, I want you to know that there's going to come a time when I'll take you back. Or as he says in Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, they will seek my face and in their misery they will earnestly seek me. There's this idea that Yahweh sought a relationship with Israel, even a people who hurt their God, even a people who rejected their God, a God who seeks relationship with people. Hosea is a reminder that we have a God of hope, that we have a God who believes, that we have a God who longs for the day when 
people will have relationship with their God. I just made the comments in the book of Hosea, the first part, that the story is about a people who turn their back on God, a people who walk away from God, a people who, as it says in Hosea 7 verse 10, Israel's arrogance testifies against him, but despite all this, he does not return to the Lord, his God, or search for him. It's this reminder that the people were so stubborn, were rebellious, and rejected their God. And yet, Yahweh had hope. There will be a day when you'll come to me. There will be a day when we'll have a relationship. There will be a day when I seek you and you seek me. But God always initiates that love. God always initiates that relationship. This tells us something about Yahweh. As we're going through the prophets, I think it's important to realize a couple things. Number one, it's always important for us to put ourselves in the shoes or the sandals of the prophet. Often we put ourselves at the other end of God's anger or the other end of God's finger and we assume God is talking to us. God is angry with us. We're rebellious. And so we, we talk about how have we been rebellious and how have we been bad and how have we been mean. Kind of reminds me of uh, how we talk with children about baptism. You know, and many of us, uh, we believe that children are born innocent. And uh, even though we all inherit the, the sin of Adam, we will choose to sin at one point. We do not baptize babies. We don't sprinkle them because we know that there's a point when even though the parents promise to bring them up, the children will make the decision on their own. That has to be their decision. And there's a point when children will make that choice to be baptized in the Christ. We don't know at what age that is. We don't know when it, when it will happen. We just know that they will make that at some time. Now it's different, say, my boys making the decision to be baptized are different than, say, their mother. Their mother was 13. She was brought up in a Christian home, brought up in a loving, caring Christian family. She made the choice to follow Jesus because that's what she knew. And she loved God, and that's what we want as parents. We want our kids to grow up knowing, I make this choice because it's the right choice, and I see good people serving God. For me, I was 21 when I was converted. And there are people who I know were caught up in more sin and wickedness than I was. But the point was, I had to make a decision at 21 to change my life repent of my sins and turn to God. So I approach baptism differently than my sons or my wife did or many others. And when I worked with young people as a youth minister, it was always a struggle because I would listen to parents try to uh, tell their kids they're innocent and then they reach a point, hey, now we got to make sure you believe you're a sinner and we got to prove you're a sinner so you can get baptized. And we had these long conversations about how you're as bad as a murderer if you don't tell the truth or when you lie to your parents, it's a wicked, evil sin. And I never thought that was really accurate with how God viewed people. I think that Young people grew up in a very loving home and they make the decision to be baptized because they love Jesus. They repent of their sins and that was different than the many, many, many sins I had to repent of and work through. So I think the same thing is true when we read the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is not talking to most of us who are listening to this. 
the book of Hosea is talking to a nation that is completely rebellious, a nation that has completely turned their back on God, a nation who does not care, and yet a nation who lived with a God who cared about them. In Hosea 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt I called my son, but the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, the pagan gods, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of compassion, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck. I bent down to feed them. Wow. They had a relationship with a loving God who cared intimately for them. And they rejected that God. Now, I know that we might think, well, we don't want to be too hard on those individuals. Well, why not? The text tells us that they lived with a God who cared about them, but they turned their back on God. How could people be so cruel? Now, you may say, that's not me. I'm not that bad. And that might be true. But I think the deeper question is, do we want a relationship with a God that is that intimate with us, that cares about us, that teaches us to walk like a dad holding his children's hands or a mom who's walking alongside of their kids and helping them? Do we have access to that kind of a relationship with a God? Some of us have that relationship, and it's always important for us to remember, as what the prophet Hosea would say, don't take that for granted. Do you know that you have that kind of a God in a relationship with you? For those of us who follow Jesus, what a powerful story. Uh, Jesus is God who came down among us and reached out to us and went to us and loved us and cared about us and wanted that intimate relationship with us. We serve that kind of God. We have that kind of a relationship. What a wonderful blessing. Do we value that? Are we thankful for that? Others may feel a little closer to Israel. And maybe that's the case. I have known people who have walked away from God. They've turned their back on God. They blamed everybody else. And yet they've spent much of their life rejecting the very God who wants to save them. Who wants relationship with them. Who eagerly desires relationship with them. And for whatever reason they're turning their back on God. For whatever reason they're lashing out. Maybe they don't like authority figure. Maybe they had a bad upbringing. Maybe they were mistreated as a child. And maybe they went to a church where some really, really bad things happened. And sinful things happened. And they're angry. And yet they take it out on God. And... We have a God who deeply wants relationship with us. We have a God who is passionate for us. We have a God who seeks relationships with them. We have a God who wants so much to be among, among us and to be in relationship with us that Hosea ends the book in chapter 14, verse 9. He says, who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are righteous. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. That at the end of the day, Hosea says, look, we have a God who loves us. We have a God who cares about us. There are those who walk with God, and there are those who fight with God.
I don't know where you are today. And it may be that you're being a little hard on yourself if you feel like you're fighting with God. But I am here to say that the book of Hosea tells me, no matter who I am, no matter what I've done, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we have a God who seeks relationship. We have a God who says, I want to be your God. I walk with you. I want to have that intimate relationship with you. We have that. We should never take advantage of that. We should never reject that. But we have a God who cares about us and seeks us and is willing to meet us in the wilderness and woo us and seek us and date us and get to know us because God intimately knows all of us. I want to encourage you as you spend your time in prayer this week, as you're teaching in your group, as you're uh, using this in maybe English as a second language group, or you're using this in your Bible study, I want to encourage you to spend time thinking about the intimacy that you have with God and the fact that we have a God who wants to bless us and care for us. And let's be a people who give back. If you're someone who says, I've been running from God, reach out to us, the God of Second Chances. You can visit our Twitter page, at uh, God2Chances. Uh, you can uh, visit our, our uh, anchor website, send a note. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'm Ron Clark, Executive Director for Kairos Church Planning in Portland, Oregon. Go in peace, love God, and remember the God of Second Chances. I'm Ron Clark with Kairos Church Planting, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you're struggling, if you're caught up in sin, I want you to know that God deeply loves you, that God has always provided a way, that Jesus came and died for your sins. If you are someone that says, I've been like Eli, I've been like Hophni, I've been like Phinehas, I've not paid attention, I've been like Saul, I've, I've gone the opposite direction. I want you to know that Samuel's message then was as powerful as it can be today. What God is looking for is people to rise up. These are dark times. These are times when we need leaders. These are times when our leaders disappoint us. These are times when God's prophets has spoken time and time again and others have ignored the voice of God. But in light of these dark times, you can be the one to rise up. You can be the one to respond. God loves taking broken things, mending them together and using them to bring glory and honor to the world. Jesus loves healing and leading people forward. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, loves filling the empty vessel and leading us to holiness. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, listen to the voice of God, obey the voice of God, reach out and do that. If you want to know more about giving your life to Christ, being baptized in Christ, you can always contact us at uh, agapecoc.com backslash podcast, singular and send an email to there or, uh, you know, podcast at agapecoc.com and we'll get that message and we'll follow up with you.